welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. So introducing Shazad Ahmed, he's more than happy for you to call him Shaz. So a commercial mortgage broker, so an awful lot of people say, well, what on earth is a commercial mortgage broker? Well, actually, he's he's pretty much a a catch-all broker. So he can arrange normal residential mortgages for you. He can arrange buy-to-let mortgages for you, but he can also arrange service accommodation products for you. And in my experience recently, he is the most responsive broker that I know of. And so he's, he will answer your call. I shouldn't really say this, but he'll answer your call in the gym, apparently. And so when, when I'm referring people to Shaz, the response I'm getting back is that it was great. He was really responsive and he has sorted out my mortgage where a plethora of other brokers have failed. So that's why you should definitely be paying attention to Shaz today because he's got a wealth of experience and creative finance as well. So it could be you know, funds that are in your own property or other people's property that can be used in order to do the deal. So he can think outside the box where an awful lot of people are too constrained by you know the, the norm of brokers so he is uh, able to open up an awful lot more ways of funding properties using some of the more creative strategies and he's going to be talking about that in his presentation so without any further ado please put your hands together and give a massive round of applause for Shazad Ahmed thank you cheers for having me thank you guys Never been to Peterborough before, nice place, and actually nice to be around people as well, which is great. So, yeah, just talking about service accommodation, short-term lets and holiday lets, and I think it's really important to understand the difference and distinctions from a lender's point of view, because they are different things. So, Kevin's done this already, just an intro, mortgage broker, mainly work with property investors, so Kevin did say, yeah, I can do residential, don't really do much of that though, it's more buy-to-lets, HMOs, bridging, and short-term lets. Public speaker, I like putting that on there. So back before lockdown, I'd probably speak maybe two events a month. Nowadays, it's on Zoom. It's not the same. I prefer physical stuff, but it is what it is. Um, and yeah, add me on Instagram. I'll give you my details. A lot of free content on there around helping you fund your deals. Any kind of questions you've got, Instagram, Facebook is a lot easier. So a bit of background around the issues as investors you might be facing right now and getting funding for service accommodation, short-term lets. That kind of thing. So, your traditional buy-to-let mortgage in the contract will require you to have a 6 or a 12-month AST. But obviously, when you've got service accommodation, you're having guests who pay in advance, it's not an AST. So, lenders prefer tenants because they have a bit more control. They have a contract, whereas obviously a guest is not a contract. And from a lender's point of view, when they hear the word service accommodation, they think it's more hospitality, more commercial. You know, it's, it's of your experience running a hotel, that kind of thing. They're not so comfortable with what's going on, but I think they're playing catch-up. So, you know, people are doing short-term lets. 
it's actually a feasible business model. It's not hospitality full on. You're not having like reception or concierge. It's it's a it's a middle ground. But lenders are catching up. They're always playing catch up six months behind or so. So the first kind of segment is holiday lets. Okay, so this would be your traditional holiday locations. So staycations, which is a word that's very popular right now. So think of Cornwall or maybe near a theme park or Brighton or beach areas. So this is where you may look at a holiday let type of mortgage. And these generally are from the smaller building societies. I'll give you some of the key lenders in a moment. And what you do is they will look at the actual occupancy figures from a local agent in terms of their rental assessment. So do we understand how when you want to get a buy-to-let or an investment mortgage, the amount you can borrow is controlled by the potential rental income, right? So on holiday lets, what the lenders tend to do is they'll speak to a local agent, get the high, low and medium figures and use a formula based on that. So they're treating it as a potential income that way. And yeah, smaller building society. So just got a quote there. So Monmouthshire Building Society down the road from where I live. And they've said since he's in the lockdown, they probably feel actually it's their most popular range. They will lend to you if you're a limited company or in your personal name. You just need to be a personal homeowner and that's it. You don't have to have any bike let landlord experience, but you need £25,000 of personal income. Um, a few others on there. You've got Cumberland. So Cumberland are slightly more quirky. A lot of building societies, guys, are really quirky. Like, they won't do limited companies. They won't do portfolio landlords, but then they'll do holiday lets. So they have pros and cons. Speak to your brokers. You've got Leeds, probably the most competitive in terms of rates, but again, they have got specific criteria, and you've got the Melton, but there are plenty more. Um, and what you'll find with some of these holiday lenders is they'll actually give you the opportunity, if you want to, to stay in the property for 90 days for the year. So again, you have that flexibility. If that's important to you, make sure you've broken those. That's important to you and you can get that kind of lender. So that's holiday lets. What about short-term lets? So these are more from the mainstream kind of specialist lenders, so your bike let lenders. It won't be anywhere on the high street. It will be off the high street, so you're paying slightly more, but it's more lenders you may have heard of already and what they'll do is is basically the same thing they'll do for a buy to let so they'll confirm with the surveyor what the market rent would be if it's on a single AST as long as the deal works on that basis you can just carry on and have it on a short term let basis what it does do is give you flexibility so let's just say you've done short term Airbnb for six months now it's starting to slow down you can just put an AST on there for six months or a year and then go back and switch it back and forth. It's more flexible in that way. So one of the lenders who wanted to kind of chip in there was Foundation Home Loans. They are, I wouldn't say the cheapest, but they're quite flexible in terms of their offering. So to get a short-term let mortgage with them, there's no minimum income, and you just need one month's landlord experience, and you could still be living at home with your parents, so it's easy access to that money. I've also put on there West One. So they are traditionally a bridging or a short-term lender moving into the short-term let space because they see the opportunity there. And then you've also got Dudley Building Society again. Traditionally a small, very kind of specific and location-specific lender, but now moving in and doing short-term lets. So do we get the difference between short-term lets and holiday lets slightly? Cool. And then if you're doing slightly more commercial, but not as commercial as Scotty, but slightly more commercial, 
you've got service to accommodation. So you'll have commercial lenders and you'll have commercial rates. It is what it is, but it's because you've got a property that is maybe slightly more commercial. Now, what they'll do is they can use the pre-existing income. So let's just say you've got a track record of a year of service accommodation. You can show your bookings. And let's just say it's in London where the rents are low compared to property values. You can say, well, look, I've got these bookings and they can use that as part of their assessment. So it'll help you lend the money you need based on the income you've already generated. And they can do specialist property types. So for example, let's just say you've got three flats in a block and you want to let, uh, lend, rent them out individually on Airbnb per flat. You'll need to do a service accommodation with a more commercial lender. You'll pay for the privilege but it's kind of a means to an end and you'll get what you need. So Hampshire Trust, probably my favourite lender for various reasons, but so they take a forward-thinking approach on service accommodation. So they do both holiday lets and service accommodation. And with their service accommodation, as I said, they'll look at the pre-existing income to, to help the rental affordability. Also on there, you've got Roma Finance. So again... Actually, both Roma and Octane are traditionally bridging lenders, short-term finance lenders. But as you can see, they can see the market, they can see the opportunity, and now they're moving in to doing mortgages or short-term service accommodation finance longer term. So that is that. Now, just some more of the key points, guys. So, because I get this, some of the key questions that I get from people speaking to me all the time. So, I'm a first-time buyer, first-time landlord, live my parents, I've got no buy-to-let. Can I get... Well, can I get a mortgage, a bike let mortgage, first of all? The answer is yes. But can I get a short-term let slash service accommodation mortgage? The answer is no. You would need some sort of home ownership experience, whether that's your own home or a rental property. But there are ways to be creative around that. So what you could do potentially is if the property you want to purchase needs some renovation, depending on how much, you could potentially use a bridging loan first. So when you come to refinance, you're not a first-time buyer and that will work. Personal income. So there are lenders who don't have a personal income requirement. The ones that do will require £25,000 per annum. That can be from property as long as you're declaring it on your tax returns. It's any income you can evidence can be used as personal income. And again, people say, what about loan to value? So up to 75% loan to value is available. 70% seems to be the sweet spot with the building societies. But if you're going for the short-term let, 75 is available. So since all this pandemic stuff has been going on, we've only just got back to 80 85% on standard single lets. I don't think that's going to change. I think short-term let stuff will stay at 75% for now. And valuations. So I often get investors saying, look, I've got this you know, nice service combination setup. It's generating this much income. Will I get a commercial valuation? As in, will it be valued based on the rental with a multiplier? The answer is no. No. So it'll just be based on market rent um, as if it was on a single AST or high, low, medium. You will not get an enhanced valuation based on that income, okay? And six-month rule. So I hear this all the time. It's like, look, I've bought this property with cash or as a JV with an investor. I've done a two-month refurb, tidy it all up. I want to put a mortgage on it. Do I have, do I have to wait six months? I've heard I have to wait six months. The answer is no. Um, not with everyone, so some lenders still enforce that. It's more of a guideline, and it's to stop back-to-back sales. So back before the crunch, you had developers selling properties at a discount. 
people buying those properties with a discount, with some cash back, and the next day remortgaging, essentially being 100% finance or negative equity. But that doesn't really exist. So own occupation, I touched on it earlier. Some of the lenders will give you the ability to actually live in the property yourself for 90 days. Not everyone wants to do that. Um, but again, if it's important, tell your broker up front, I guess. And also BRR, so by Refurbish Refinance, Kevin touched on it before. So if it's a project, it depends on the extent of the work, but, but with a mortgage, essentially the lender is expecting the property to be tenanted or have guests in normally within 30 days of completion. So if the work you need to do is going to take longer than that, you either need to buy it in cash or use bridging finance. Some lenders do offer mortgages without early repayment charges. What you can do is go on one of those, but make it clear to them up front that the plan would be to do the work and then refinance and just make sure they're happy with that. Otherwise, it's a fine line between mortgage misuse. Um, but yeah, bridging, I think don't be scared of bridging. If used correctly, it's a good tool to help you invest with momentum. So people say it's expensive, you know, compared to a mortgage, of course, but then you're only on a bridge for six months, so it's, it's a relative. Um, Next thing I just want to cover off, and this isn't specific to short-term lets as such, but it's, it's helpful to understand what you need when you are looking to get finance, okay? So first thing is ID. Um, and I say this all the time, guys, buy a scanner. Like, your property investors, <laughs> invest in a scanner, okay? You need to send your broker a scanned copy of your ID. So that's a passport or driving license. Make sure it's not expired, it's in date. And it has to be a scan. The reason, and I harp on about it, the reason is the broker has to print it, stamp it, say you've seen the original, scan it back in, send it to a lender. If it's a photograph, where you can see a table in the background, see your fingertips, doesn't work. So scanned ID. Proof of residency. So this normally is a council tax bill or a utility bill within the last three months. Just keep it simple can't really use bank statements because they're used for something else. So proof of residency. Also, make sure you're on the voters' roll as well. A lot of people kind of have moved and they have associations elsewhere. Just make sure you're on there. Income. So you need to prove your income. Um, so if you've got a job, three months pay slips. If you're full-time in property or just self-employed or limited company director, two years tax calculations with the corresponding tax year overviews. Your overviews, you can get on, on hmrc.gov.uk yourself. Your calculations, your accountant will have. And bank statements. Okay, so all the income you've got, three months bank statements, just it needs to be there. And it lines up with proof of deposit. So if you're de- where's your deposit coming from? And it's interesting. So with the mortgage, where can your deposit come from? So deposit has to be your own money. If it's in a limited company, it can be money from other shareholders or the directors. You can have gifts from immediate family, so mum, dad, brother, sister, or extended family slightly. But what you can't have is other third-party investors funding your mortgage deposits. Lenders do not like it. If it was on a bridging loan, then you can have third-party investors, but it has to be backed up with a loan agreement in place, and the investor can't have a charge on the property, okay? So, you, yeah, with bridging, it's more flexibility, but just make sure it's clear up front. And bounce-back loans and payment holidays. So, yeah, earlier this year, bounce-back loans, government was just chucking this money about, and it's, I think, still available, I think. But um, if you've taken one, lenders are a little more flexible, I think. The line seems to be, 
it's really case by case, but as long as the loan isn't being used for part of the deposit, is it generally okay? So you can have that money in the account, but as long as you say, look, I've got this separate money anyway, it's okay. With bridging, again, it's a little more flexible, but they'd rather you didn't use that loan just because it's not meant to be for that reason. And payment holidays. So I got in trouble on Facebook for posting about this. So if you've taken a payment holiday, it is what it is. It's not a bad thing. But just double check on your credit file about how it's been reported because I've come across a few now where on the credit file, the mortgage then is put in a number three as if it's three months in arrears. So then when you come to refinance or apply for any further borrowing, it's like, well, hang on, you've got mortgage arrears, which is a big no-no. So I'm, not sure, I'm sure not everyone's had that happen and it's easily fixable, but it's best to know that before you apply for finance as opposed to in the middle and you made your offer and you're kind of stuck. And the key thing is, all of this stuff is whoever you're going to you know, work with as a broker, guys, tell them everything. Um, tell them about your income, source of deposit, any credit issues, if you've had bounce back loans, where your deposits come from, all that stuff, let them know because it's best that they can position the case in the best way rather than be surprised when the underwriter picks up something and it's like, oh, hang on, I didn't know about this. So that actually, Kevin, is me. Guys, those are my details, but generally add me on Instagram. Um, put a lot of content on there and it's all pretty useful, I think. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, Shaz. Uh, Thank you. For anyone uh, watching the recording, listening yes. to the recording, uh, if you can just uh, let them know how they might contact you. So social media plus website. Social media is probably the best. Like I get people, on, I have people DM me on Instagram with full-on inquiries. I'm like, my screen's five inches. <laughs> I've got to read through this, but it's fine. So yeah, social media's fine. Um, email's good. Phone call's fine, but I am always on the phone a lot of the time, but I'll call you back literally within minutes. It is what it is. So the phone, 07... 809-115-889. Do you know, that's actually my personal number. I bought a works phone, never used it. <laughs> that's my personal phone. I, I used to have a nutter phone uh, that, for, <laughs> for those types of calls. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. I hear yeah. what you're saying. Anyway, moving swiftly on. A nutter so, phone. Um, email address is shaz.ahmcd at gpsfinancial.co.uk and your... My Instagram handle, Where's Shaz? And that came about because of all the networking I, I used to do back in the day. Where's Shaz? Yes. Okay, so W-H-E-R-E-S-S-H-A-Z. Yes. Fantastic. So, hopefully you found that useful, everybody. Did, did you notice I didn't mention interest rates once? Didn't re- mention interest, interest rates? Because they're not the important thing. Why not? Because criteria is more important. Ah, that's what that's the, that's what I try and get across anyway. So if you want to know more about any of that stuff, then please contact Shaz directly. But fantastic presentation! Thank you very much. Shaz. No worries, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Why not also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn more about property and serviced accommodation. 